0: Welcome to The Backwards, in fact, at Twitter and Gmail under that same name. I have just one question for you. How soon is now?
1: So, first time back since seeing each other for the first time um, since Cain's Awakening or his major awakening. We did have one huge synchronistic uh, event that happened with the infamous Will Smith. Anybody knows the story? That was a a landmark weekend. And uh, it was pretty cool. We We we're sitting in front of a restaurant waiting and it was a country singer. It was just singing country song after country song. And then Kane went up and tipped the guy, and the next song was his own version of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, which is obviously Will Smith, and just a huge synchronicity because it was so off the wall from the style of music that he was playing, and he just bust out with the original Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, which was written by will smith and he sang it in his own creative way i've you know never heard that i don't think i've ever heard anyone do a version of that song other than the original so we were popping off sitting there about to eat um didn't get as much time as i I don't think me or you wanted as far as you know kind of the stuff that we got going on but you know we have busy lives outside of doing the podcast so uh but all in all it was good to see you in person
0: yeah it's a it's a really good example of um synchronicity a good example i've never really had one where there's like multiple people around that know what i'm talking about uh, most of most of them were always you know me by myself and there's nobody there to share them with so that was kind of interesting There's a, it's such a good example of like what we're talking about because you can see the mind almost right away and you know, you don't have to accept it as something special. You don't have to accept it as something spiritual. You can certainly chalk it up to a coincidence and you can, you can kind of understand how people can do that. But I think for you and I, it was definitely uh, not in that category. And it was so funny because my I felt like my mind kind of started racing a little bit before. And I was contemplating, should I request a song? Because he, he actually mentioned, if you want a request, you can play a request. And I just kind of got up and tipped the guy because everybody was enjoying it. and. I sat back down and he started playing the song and like immediately, like I can't, I don't even really, really accept it. I was like, Oh, what is this crap? Like I should have, I should have put in a request. Like that's immediately what, and then I started like, like, wait, what is this song? And it's actually Becca looked at me and she's like, you know, that's Fresh Prince. I'm like, Oh my God, he just played Will Smith after I stood up and had an interaction with this guy crazy yeah for
1: anyone that doesn't know it's um it probably means way more to us uh, than anyone who's listening like how could that be a synchronicity but the monday after will smith was um had his anger moment and slapped someone chris rock on stage uh that wasn't the event that made kane so angry but it was the um landmark that we go to just because everyone watches tv so like if you're in anger for for something in your life and you and you have a weekend where you see the will smith slap it just exacerbates the situation so we always have that as like a timeline So we hadn't seen each other in over a year and to have that play at that particular time was like, what is going on?
0: It was, it was pretty cool. Yeah, it was, it was definitely pretty cool. I think it's a great example of a synchronicity. It's a great example of how like you, you pull meaning out of moments of time and uh, yeah, I mean there was a lot of people there to share it with a lot of family kind of understood it on at least a conceptual level. Um, I don't, I don't think that it, it's, it's hard for, for people to like, uh, hold on to, I mean, all the experiences are your experiences. So whatever, like my original experiences are, they don't necessarily like transfer to the people in my life, even though, I mean, in your heart's desire, you kind of want them to, but you learn quickly, like it, your experience is your experience. And that's that. And everybody's responsible for their own experience. But this one was pretty interesting because we've spent enough time talking about Will Smith, even to my family and stuff. So it was one that everybody could kind of be like, that is a little bit weird. That's a little bit odd.
1: Other than that, me and Kane just walked on water in the ocean and we wrapped (laughs) it up. (laughs) Yeah. Just kidding. Uh, so switching gears, I, I did want to mention that, but I I, I did want to just dive right into kind of what we were talking about earlier. I didn't want to mention, you know, anyone specifically, but I did love the topic of false teachers. And um, I wasn't sure if I was going to talk about it, but I, I had my notepad just sitting over here. Um, not the one I normally write on, but it was on the floor face down and I pulled it up and it spawned a podcast that we did. That's one of my favorites. Um, that podcast was when we kind of classified the three classes of, you know, these are generalities and, you know, there's probably groups of people were missing, but in, in our view, as far as spirituality and religion in that category, you know, you have believers, you have atheists, and you have agnostics. And then, you know, I saw that one, two, three, and based on our conversation today, I was like, well, actually, there's a number four.
0: <laughs> yeah. There's
1: that, um, what I, I'm seeing as like an intellectual truth teller, and you know, a lot of words are going to be thrown out of here, words are going to be hard to do this conversation justice, Um False teacher is is the most common word that you would use uh, for what you see out there based on, you know, what you hear, knowing them by their fruits. And the one word that comes up is uh, exploitation and and what that means. Um, You know, obviously it's taking unfair advantage of someone else. um, But I added to the definition either knowingly or unknowingly. You know someone's doing that on purpose or you know like the david koresh's of the world you know he's exploiting with premeditation like he's obviously um learned techniques of truth that now he's going to exploit and did exploit his whole life so that would be an example of someone who knows what they're doing those, I think, are more rare than the people that do it unknowingly. So you have believers, um, and the exploiter of the believer would be the pastor. And it it does have, I, I understand it's a negative um, comment to make, but in, in that category, most of the people are genuine, so it's unknowingly. And then you get into the really big religious, where money gets superior and it's almost like that turns into premeditation. The atheist and the agnostic is what the mind created. So it's almost like the self is exploiting its its own being, right? So really the atheist and agnostic have gone rogue and said, I'm not going to listen to any of y'all, but I'm going to conceptualize for myself to one protect me and protect my ego. But then you have intellectual truth tellers. Now I was thinking about what the difference is. Obviously, if you have like a gift of discernment, you can, you know, hear fruits, you can know people by their fruits. Yeah. And the one thing that I wrote down here, while i was waiting to start and i think it's a huge point to make is for one i don't label myself and i don't think you label yourself as a spiritual teacher now if i ever got that label because someone had an aha moment of something i said you know so be it it is what it is but it is what it is a label like i've learned stuff from people spiritually and I would say they're a spiritual teacher because they taught me something. It doesn't mean I've put them on a pedestal that's above me. It's just in the category of spiritual, they taught me something. So it, it has that label. The one main difference that I notice in a lot of people I listen to is that on this program or on this episode, I can say something to you and it can hit you and there is no guard up with truth or spirituality or, or the past. So you can have an aha moment. I can have an aha moment. You can have a light bulb moment. I can, so we can be corrected. Like I'm not opposed to that at all because if you know the one truth that hits me, I'm, I'm accepting that correction. There is no ego, defense there there is no ego like hurt the one thing that i'm seeing that stands out to me with intellectual truth tellers that i would label as false teachers is they cannot be corrected They cannot be corrected there is no aha moments there is no light bulb moments and to me that's like really red flaggish if for one someone's got to the point where they can say what they say and if there is any rebuttal or any negativity to it, then, you know, we're open. Like Someone wants to come on the podcast and tell us we're wrong. Now, I mean, they might come out of here in a pure heart or out of anger, whatever it may be. They're coming on to challenge that and we'll see where that goes. Yeah, we're open. Right. So I kind of wanted to start off with I know we we're talking about some things earlier and yeah. uh i saw my notes on one of my favorite podcasts so i thought it'd be a great way to open
0: i i really like uh, refuses to be corrected i mean the, you, that is right on the money that we're um just looking back like anytime we kind of see a problem it's somebody who doesn't understand how to um how to engage in that correct because I mean even if you listen to like Eckhart Tolle, like even him allows the correction he just does it so skillfully that like the person that he's dealing with I'm always thinking of Oprah when I bring this up but the person he's dealing with doesn't even necessarily realize that she's the one being corrected, not him. You know, he's just so good at it, but he's just staying in, in, in the, in the flow of that, of that divine spoken word that he has coming out. So when you hear it, you can see people be challenged and go through that, but they're able to hold their ground on like the big stuff like um you know the loss of ego is the finding of divinity i mean he's able to hold some ground but he's able to kind of go back and forth but some people get caught up in much smaller details and 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 they don't take the correction you're right
1: yeah aside from listening to people you know you got to see see things um that really draw conclusions because there may be times and in these times for sure uh we are in the technology age so the people that uh are able to elevate their consciousness and become more aware a lot of those people are being vocal about it and they have a voice to do so in this time. What I'm noticing is with the rise of that is the rise of false teaching as well. And it's for someone that's conscious. It's, I mean, it's, it's something to talk about, but something, it's not something that even crosses my mind of, um, being able to be duped by that because, you know, if you listen to someone for an hour and you're, you're trying to find something that hits you or resonates with you, I mean, you pretty much got your answer right there. And I'm just dissecting it further by giving examples of, you know, another red flag, and that is cannot be corrected. And that, that's the crazy thing like with me and you like a spiritual path is correction it is constant um, development it's constant movement it's um yeah I'm talking about just in regular life not even in spirituality I mean if you've if you've caught yourself slipping into another state and you know, whoever it is around you, your friend or your wife, says, Hey, you know, why are you reacting like that? And someone who's conscious will easily correct themselves and center themselves right away. You know what I see with like false teachers is, is it's 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 I'm right, but then claiming truth intellectually. And it's yeah it's it's off base. It's something to watch out for because you know, that's definitely going to be on the rise too, because the information of the truth is, is getting out there to like people are really not going to have that excuse anymore. Like, you know, I, I never heard, um, what it is. I, I never heard truth. at some point, if someone asks a, you know, a correct question, there's so many avenues out there to find the answer nowadays. um, but yeah, I think it's worth bringing up and talking about.
0: Yeah, you there's definitely a contrast um especially when you're going over uh a lot of spiritual content and I mean we have our favorites and I'm sure like personal favorite probably plays some into this but I think it kind of goes well beyond that. But you have, you know, Michael Singer, you have Eckhart Tolle, you have Osho, uh, Gene Hart would be in there. Um, and you can spend time, you know, an hour listening and you feel enriched. You feel maybe confronted, maybe challenged. You feel um, excited. I mean, they know how to inspire I mean they, they there's a lot of sp- it it's worth doing because there's like spiritual nourishment that's going on through the the right spoken word but then you get on some other ones and it's it's a literal exhaustion it just exhausts you like yeah I mean it's all done and it's like what was that I mean I heard bits and pieces of like the right words together but where was the nourishment like who are you talking to yeah it's a good
1: point i mean that's 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 the bottom line when it comes to spirituality and who to trust is dude is someone speaking to your heart and someone speaking to your brain are like two totally different things yeah. And if someone's speaking to your brain, it's like you're trying to figure it out. What Like you're trying to figure it out. Well, the brain is trying to figure it out. When someone speaks to the heart and um, whether it's conflict or a good resonation or confirmation, you know, That's where the correction comes in. Like, uh, you know, like like you mentioned, Eckhart Tolle can, I can turn them on and have a synchronistic moment and be like, I've been missing the boat the last couple of days. And, you know, you get back on track from that. That's a correction Uh, that no matter how much we do or how much we talk, I still like to listen to other guys who have the same uh, uh, fruits involved because it's you know, therapeutic to the spirit. And if it's not therapeutic to the spirit, then, you know, that's it. I mean, for for me, it was, it's, it's something I'd love to talk about, because I don't know if everyone is built the same way I am. I mean, I suspect that, you know, maybe we were, but through life experiences, you know, you built something, I built something, but when I heard truth for the first time, I was like, I mean, I wanted to be slapped in the face and then I wanted to be slapped in the face again. And then I wanted to be slapped in the, I was like, hit me, hit me. It was like Neo hooked up in the machine. Like, hell yeah. Give me more. Yeah. Hit me. And if you, the discernment is if you hear someone that's saying a lot of the right things, religion is a perfect example because you have a book you have doctrination however now we have the popularity of real truth like it's 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 getting out there in a way that uh it has never been out there before and we're somewhat hands are off. And it's never been that way until maybe times when we weren't here. So it's somewhat hands off. Like 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 they can't do noth- nothing to us. Or we're somewhat protected because of the technology has created, you know, what they call the dark web or whatever. So it's it's good for the bad, but it's good for the good too. Right. Like it's we're I'm not saying we're untouchable. I'm saying games are played all the time with that to try to silence people. I'm saying That we live in an age where we have a little bit of leeway as far as how this message gets out and the popularity of it. With that comes the same way it happened to religion. People are going to start taking the words of truth, all the words of truth, and we're going to start turning them into their own doctrine in their brain. And then they're going to project that. But if it doesn't come from the right place, it's going to sound very appealing to a lot of people because intellectually, the power of now is pretty cool too. Intellectually, the power of now is pretty, pretty damn cool. But if you think it stops there, you know, you you become um, a member of the congregation, just like someone you know, you become addicted to the message of the next day.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. And then, I mean, there's definitely more malevolent versions of it. I think that's what we were talking about uh, a while ago now where, you know, something like the law of attraction and then you you realize like oh like somebody could be going in the law of attraction like in not a correct way and you could being led into karmic suffering that wouldn't necessarily be necessary. So you can see some of them they almost look mal- malevolent and then some of them just look like a money thing and then. Some of them look, um, look like almost like a ego, just completely gone wild. Like that's one of the things that I've really kind of, um, understood about myself. It's like when you early on have some kind of ego dissolving experience, And I know I had one in junior high just from being choked out. Like, I don't know how it was the experience it was, but it was an experience of losing the ego, meaning my body and my consciousness, I was aware we're not tied together, but I was aware of that at like a junior high level. So when people later started to talk about dissolving the ego or, um, working on the ego. I always heard that and said, oh, that's, that's elementary. I've already done that. That's, that's elementary. You see, the ego can grab even that. And so you have this last category where like people I'm sure can get all kinds of mystical and still not necessarily understand that it's that the ego is driving into places and i bet that happens a lot on psychedelics i bet um and i'm not saying anything for or against psychedelics i'm just saying i'm i'm sure it gets a little bit hairy to try to understand the mystical without the discipline of meditation um but yeah, it seems like there's three categories there where, you know, you have this malevolent, you have like these days almost like corporatized where it's it's just systems of control and in uh ways to make money, and then the last one would be like these out of control egos. But um Yeah, I I think I'm just going back in my head and I'm trying to like figure out where these false teachers went wrong. It seems like there's a lot of different ways it can go wrong and, and, um, they might not necessarily be aware of much of it at all.
1: Yeah. I, I, the awareness is, is really low. I, I, I mean, it's, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, if, if, if you don't hear divinity in someone or you don't see it, um, yeah, it's purely driven by ego. I mean, there's no echo as Osha says, echo. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ikka. and that's, I, as far as going wrong, I think I'm an expert in that category too, because I've, 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 um, I've gone wrong so many times as far as, I mean, wrong being, I mean, not, not the best of words, but I'm saying like, as far as the path goes, like how many times the ego wins and you don't necessarily, um, meditate or, you know, go through periods of time where, you know, like how it takes hold but you let it anyway knowingly um i've done that many times in the last 25 years like flirting with i i know where you're going to take me so just do it and then if it gets too bad then i'll just stop and meditate so i i i totally get that but i think the bottom line for me is like i i know um it only happens through discipline and meditation. And I think with some people of what I've heard, just the people that, you know, choose not to meditate and, uh, choose not to see the value in it, that it's just a game of laziness. As far as I know the words of truth, I have that concept. So I'm going to use that concept. I'm going to speak about that concept but I'm not going to put in the work. And I'm not saying that's like a conscious, like not necessarily, this is knowingly and unknowingly. I'm not saying people actually premeditate the laziness. I feel like the ego is that quick and that strong that it just talks you out of it every time. And you developed, Hey, yeah, I don't have to do that meditation stuff. I don't have to do the work. I know the concept of truth, and that's my message. That's what I'm going to talk about. That's what I'm going to portray to the world because I know I, I know what it is. I've, I've grasped this one thing that I can hold on to, and I can say it, and I can spread it. And that has some effectiveness to it. The only problem is people that know, people that know by fruits, you're caught. Like you, yeah. you, and I'm not saying that's the masses, like 80% of people may not notice, but I can listen to someone for five minutes and know where they're coming from if they're in the category of spiritual or in religion. and religion. There's something I practice over the years and I test my abilities like daily, daily. And it, it's not something uh, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm some special power with whatever i'm saying like if you wake up if you have consciousness if you've had any type of training and meditation and you're able to pull back from the ego and you're able to see things with a clear scope on people one, you some people could see it in their face I, i i can't really claim that although you know you can see stuff going on physically but as far as listening and hearing i mean that that ain't that's not getting past me yeah. it's not it's it's not possible
0: yeah it definitely doesn't seem um possible it, it's funny you you can hear it in um uh, in the reverse or uh to the good side I, I maybe i should say but you we were listening to rogan uh 2002 episode, and this lady is a psychedelic researcher from the 60s. And um, she obviously had a, a pretty intense spiritual background, you can tell just by listening to her. And she's not even necessarily trying to claim a big spiritual background, she's a researcher. But as she's talking, she's going into is I might not get the word right, tribu- tribulation. Tribute. so the spiritual drilling the hole in the head and tells the whole story about how she ended up drilling a hole in her head for spiritual reasons. And the whole time I'm listening to it, I'm like, Holy cow. I have to stop myself from going to the garage and getting my power drill out. Cause this lady's got me <laughs> sold, <laughs> but you could just tell she knew you, you could, you could feel her, um, she was on to a lot of stuff you you could you could tell she understood the division of the ego i mean you talk about psychedelics in terms of you know these quick splashes that people have with these substances but then you have somebody like her and there's there's many other people who have like these long dedicated research histories with these substances and who knows what this stuff is and and what it does in terms of opening up the consciousness she was advocating for it but she was certainly um sounding and resonating with my heart when she was talking and so much so that like a new concept that um i hadn't even really thought of it's funny because like my it, i have a really hard impression of that tactic it's from the movie pi did you ever see that movie pi no so it's a movie about a guy who thinks he understands the pattern in 3.14 which is a non-repeating non-terminating decimal point i mean the famous pi He thinks he's he's found a pattern in it and it drives him crazy and he ends up drilling a hole in his head. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Oh no,
1: I've never seen that.
0: So that's my historic impression of like what that is. But when this lady was talking and what you're doing is you're just, she's creating, she's creating a moment with you, with her voice that's open, just like what you said. Opening you up to hear something that might even go against your conditioning. Yes. So she's talking about something like she's going right at my conditioning. Like, I don't think it's a good idea to drill a hole in your head. I'm not saying it's a good idea to drill you a hole in your head now. I'm just saying she opened me up to hear past my own conditioning. Yeah. And you can tell when somebody's doing that. Amanda Fielding is her name, and
1: that's a perfect example of another person that has not been labeled as a spiritual teacher. And it's also a woman that can accept correction. Um, You can notice that about her. So there is like, you know, you, you, you have the direct people who have realized that they have the ability to spread divinity with their mouth and put it into words not everybody has that ability. The people that have, a lot of them get popular and they do what they do. Amanda Fielding is a perfect example of someone who hasn't done that all of her life. She's more of like science, scientific researcher, but you can still hear divinity in her. Yeah. Like, so like discernment still works with a person like that. I'm not, that's why I I hate to label spiritual teacher. I, I know we talk a lot of, about people on here that have been mentors to us. And it, it's not really the point. Like the uh, the point is like the power of discernment in your everyday life as well. Like I may sit down with someone and have a conversation with them and somehow we're both elevated and somehow we know something um, resonated even if it wasn't about spirituality. And then there's some people you can sit down with that, you know, something's going on there that, um, is wrestling inside. Uh, so Amanda Fielding was a good person to listen to because it did open me up, um, to the possibilities of when we talk about ego, what was so cool when I listened to her is to hear her talk about the mechanics of the ego and it, you know, a lot of times in spirituality, we hear it as the curse um, or, or, or the negative thing that, um, you know, we have to break down. But the, the way that she explains it is um, for survival, like in this place. It, it was, it was almost inevitable and there may be more mechanics at play than we think just in terms of survival and why we did it. Um, cause you think of all the things that humanity has gone through in just the last couple thousand years. And, you know, if you're thrust into this place, you have a certain level of survival, you have a certain level of, of, you know, ego that has to be here. Just like the fighting wars. I mean, yeah. we're still in the stages of fighting wars. So you got, and to her, hear her explain scientifically, and you know how the body works, and the research that she's done over her life, and that, um, you know, more about. We know where we are. We know something's blocking us from using our brains to its full capacity, which is where you get into higher dimensions. Not so much. It was just cool to hear and refreshing to hear the approach of what you're doing is actually, uh, you know, the work of obviously what's been passed down to you from people in the past, but just having the knowledge that, you know, something's there that doesn't give you the ability to be like the fullest human possible that that access is there. And she also made note, like, I I love the way she talks about psychedelics. I mean, she definitely doesn't think that's the answer. She's definitely for non-toxic psychedelics, um, natural, but then she did mention, you know, the admirable way of, you know, long-term meditation can get you there. It's just yeah, and I'm not 100% sold on fast tracking it by psychedelics because any experience or people that I've had, you know, or talked to, like it didn't get them there, and it might have got them there during the event, but it it didn't help them stay there. As soon as they got back in the world, they just get back into the same brain activity.
0: Yeah, and if it expands the ego, like if the ego will expand. Like the rest of you, I mean, then yeah, yeah, you 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 might not know what you've created. You might be creating something more difficult to liberate yourself from. Um, yeah, it's funny, like the way she was talking about the ego in terms of the survival, and uh, she got me thinking too on that point. Where, I mean, you you can take something like um, like racism like obviously nobody wants racism like we recognize racism as being um bad (laughs) but when you're when you're doing dream work like you find yourself constantly like in these conflict type things and then you start to realize like these ways of prejudging others is just a it's just a simple survival mechanism that's all it is and then when you really start to look at it it's like wait you will otherize as soon as there's two like of course you're going to otherize like in terms of groups i mean how far back do you think you have to go where you know, you're in a tribe and somebody shows up that has different characteristics that don't fit the tribe, that you're going to be skeptical of, like, who they are and what they want to do to you. Like, these were all survival mechanisms. It's all stupid now, I mean, in terms of today, especially in this country, where it just gets... um I mean, the words just get thrown around a lot, but yeah, when you, when you're in the dream work and then you really look at the ego, yeah, these were survival judgments that like, you know, are going deep into the bone that are all for protection, all for survival. Yeah, she, I did like the way she was, uh, talking about the ego, uh, certainly made me think
1: we had just talked about people that somehow escaped the culture and uh you know regular education she was also a woman who's like uh, i think she stopped going to school at like 15 or 16 just said she wanted to learn herself um and there's something to be said about escaping that whole cultural and education system is you you know even when i was a kid you know, like you're always asking the question like how is this going to benefit me in life like and that's such a like an intuitional question to ask when you're a kid like that was the one question you come home and you tell your parents what good is this going to do me when i'm grown and honestly what good has it done me now that I'm grown? (laughs) Like it's like, I'm I'm not saying basic education, like learning to read and write, obviously, but it gets a little funny when you start repeating that behavior year after year after year, and it gets redundant. You're like, okay, we're going to do this again for another year. And, uh, yeah. So so we had just talked about someone kind of untainted. What happens to, you know, a child that's, left to like flower naturally. And it just carries on, you know, from its conscious state as a a baby. When she first started to talk, I was like, man, this is one of those, this is one, not maybe completely escaped it, but, um, you can tell the people that were not affected by culture, um, and were able to naturally flower because she, I her life and her story speaks for itself. I mean, she's been like on a beach, just like a kid, you know, looking around for building sandcastles and looking for seashells. And, you know, that's what you do as a kid in wonder And that's pretty much her life. You see someone with a life for her, it has this life of passion to follow something and to try to discover stuff. That's, that's what a kid does. So you do it at, on adult level. Um, you know, you're not looking for seashells anymore in the sand, but that develops into looking for bigger and better passions in life to discover i a lot of stuff opened up for me too is like the the ancient mysteries that we have and how things were accomplished and you know most people think aliens came here to you know build the pyramids or whatnot, but there's a lot to be said for people that were able to live in higher dimensions and what they're capable of. Um, and throughout time in history, we kind of see evidence, um, in our lifetime, we've learned and studied from maybe a handful of people, but you imagine like if you had whole societies on a mass level that were on a higher dimension and using their brain, um, at the highest level it could be, the possibilities are endless. We just look at ourselves now and be like, we're stupid. We couldn't put those blocks up there. (laughs) Of course we couldn't because everyone's kind of drummed down now. But in uh, ancient mysteries, um, that's something really not talked about either, but she kind of opens the door for that as far as um, there was a time where we were accessing all of our abilities and it's just us trying to find our way back.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, that part's interesting. Yeah. And even to look at that, like the way she's looking at the 1960s and trying to compare those. Uh, Cause you know, the 1960s and it, in terms of it considered, you know, the hippie movement and stuff. Did you look at a 1969? Camaro? The Mustang? Mustang? I, I didn't have to. Yeah. Th- unbelievable. Yeah. I didn't have to. Yeah. I mean, I saw Gone in 60 Seconds. <laughs> I mean, that that car is amazing.
1: 1969 the, Mustang compared to a 1980 80, 80 yeah. Mustang 11 years later is atrocious.
0: It's
1: unbelievable. Yeah.
0: And it is. I mean, there's really... It, it seems like an obvious thing to credit to that, like an obvious, like artistic explosion. And I mean, you've got to give credit to the culture that was pushing consciousness, like at that time. Yeah.
1: Even tweets I mean, like that. Yeah. Even it, even just a, a tweak in a decade where you're pushing in one direction, how much creativity yeah. you get out of that. if you, that's, that's just, Scratching the surface, you know, that's just, you know,
0: pushing right. on the
1: door just a little bit and see what kind of creativity you get. And then, you know, everything gets reined in. But ultimately, but
0: that was so much on psychedelics. Yes. I mean, that's really the only thing that you could attribute it to. It just, it was a widespread enough to where you could see it make an impact in the culture.
1: Correct and that's, I mean it, it's, it's it does
0: make you wonder like in terms of I mean should should the psychedelic exploration I mean that's why her and her research I think are so important because I mean there are some questions like maybe we can go at it this way a little bit I don't know what the answer is I mean I don't think that you could just at this point you know throw drugs out in the candy machines and it would fix everything but um it she makes some really interesting points as far as all that stuff goes where you got to start to wonder like psychedelics in the community and what, what's possible there.
1: Yeah. And she, I mean, she only advocates, you know, non-toxic natural stuff too. It's just, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely something that comes across the horizon, just that the point that, you know, I'm personally at in my life, you know, with a career, it's just, not really an option right now, but, it, you know, later on down the road, I, I don't, I don't think I have any issues with exploring that on, you know, microdosing level. Um,
0: I don't, yeah, I'm in the same boat as you, like on a personal level. I mean, I, I, I see it, but it, it is interesting looking at it, like from that societal level, because, I mean, we always talk about, like, the technology and how it's pulling everybody into this, like, more unconscious state. It's like it's like the reverse of the 1960s. Like, we can see it developing right in front of our eyes. Like, holy cow, how are people going to be able to pick their heads up from their screens in about 10 years?
1: It's going to be tough, and you, yeah.
0: And then you have that contrast with the 1960s where, I mean, people were literally naked in the mud tripping balls. <laughs> and then, you know, with... Which one, which way would you rather go? And that almost goes right back to the false teaching uh, exploration. And I I think that's what I was kind of trying to say with like trying to look at people's motives and stuff where like that's one of the things I always kind of fall back on just in terms of. Um, I, I think I have the ability to overanalyze even still. So I mean, one of my like relaxation techniques is just to realize that, like, you can't ever tell like what's the faster path. I mean, is it Osho or is it Eckhart Tolle? I mean, we've loved that question. You can't tell. Like towards the suffering or towards the ascension. What do you think is going to be faster? I don't think you can ever you can just relax because you're not going to be able to know like the divine ascension that's happening happening naturally that you're just an an evolutionary part of now.
1: Yeah, meditation and the technique of it is probably top of mind for me as far as You know, when the mind's going, and I have a tendency to try to quiet it right away. And, you know, everything I've been hearing is, um, especially Michael Singer, I think when he uh, introduced it is, you know, if it is going, that you're just watching it. I I have a tendency, like, if I get up after 20 minutes, and I'm like, I just had a racing mind the whole time i just had a racing mind and i almost attributed it to damn did i just fail like i didn't have a good meditation right and so my my only fallback is like i if that does happen i do just observe and uh you know i know i'm observing the thoughts you know obviously if, if if it's racing my subconscious for the day was you know it's pretty intense so it's kind of good but i always have the question do you wait till it stops like if i stop when my mind's racing and it it didn't stop after 30 minutes and i get up i'm like luke you're gonna you're gonna effing get up like you you didn't even stop your mind now you're gonna get up like were you successful were you not successful and then there's times I get down and meditate. And I'm like, you know what you you just go through your whole body, you know, settle down, and you know I'm I just want to practice presence. And uh, for me, when there's no agenda and I just practice presence, I mean that that's that's the path for me as far as gaining clarity and you know then seeing the result of that during my day, but. Yeah, I've, I've had some questions recently, like, on meditation specifically. Not necessarily questions, just a little bit unsure of uh, some things, but working through it.
0: Yeah, that Glorian podcast really kind of helped me out uh, today. I mean, that one, I will contradict myself in this next statement, because it is almost exhausting. but. It, it's because it's hitting you with so much truth. I mean, it, these guys are just, I mean, it's the most down to business information that I think I've found. Um, It's, it's just pretty hardcore, but uh, they go into a lot of the imagination and clairvoyance and understanding the imagination and the imagination being, um, The same thing as clairvoyance the imagination what 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 you imagine is like and and is just as much as everything else like the importance of that imagination the importance of that divine creation that's happening all the time whether you're aware of it or not and to to put it in perspective like that of that uh that divine energy that's flowing through you and manifesting all the time. It's just a real good reminder. But uh, they gave tons and tons of uh, mechanics in that last episode. And um, a lot of it goes back to what we were saying, like just trying to back with concentration, holding divinity. I've got that Buddha statue that I bought in St. Augustine set up. So you just have it there. I didn't know you bought it. You did. You went back and got it. Yeah, yeah, I went back and got it. Um, so you just hold it there, and you just close your eyes, and you just try to keep it there. But remember that you you had a you had a great parable last time we talked, and I know it was a while ago now, so you won't remember. But it was it was basically about new clothes and a new vessel for new energy. There's a whole beautiful parable on it, but the idea is like if within your concentration, if you can hold a new vessel through your imagination, we're not, I mean, it is mystical, but I, I don't think people realize like you don't have to, you know, fully go off into the astral to start understanding the mystical, just hold it in your imagination You're holding like a new vessel for new divine energy to enter. And, um, I just thought it was really mechanic heavy. I thought it was, it was resonating real hard and, uh, it's just a lot of great reminders on meditation and how to take meditation and like try to, you know, pump it up and, and get it working for you on a, um, ascension level. So what do you see the rules of
1: imagination? Because I just asked that question because, you know, you, you can go down some insane rabbit holes of imagination. Some of the best things that you can hold your, in your mind's eye are things in your past, like someone that wronged you or something. Like, it's very, it's very funny. You can hold that situation in your mind's eye. So what, I'm not saying that's necessarily good, especially if you've gotten to a certain point, like why are you going back uh, to? One thing I've noticed though, like lust or anything as far as an imagination, like any of the deadly seven, like resentment or especially, especially resentment, like if you have resentment towards someone, like if you're able to raise that emotion, you can hold that in your mind's eye for as long as you want to. What are the rules you think of imagination of like along the lines of what you're talking about? Because I've, I've actually had those experiences where I wake up at 2 a.m. in the morning and then I will like imagine like flying through the valley of beautiful mountains and i'll see it i'm not like flying in the astral but my mind's eye is flying like through a scenic uh i learned how to do that in one of my low points this is which is crazy but um there is a contrast there and i and i know you're you're going down a rabbit hole with the sin creating with the seven deadly but you know what what's your take on that?
0: Yeah. Like anytime you're, if you're talking about imagining, you're creating an entire space and then you're, you're creating, you're creating an alternate version of yourself that, that can then manifest, but it's hard. I mean, from that description, it'd be hard to say maybe that's already been there and you're just going back to it. Um, that part's hard to say in like a specific situation like that. But in terms of, in terms of the imagination, I think most of the time for most people who don't put any, um, who don't put any will into understanding the process, the imagination is just running all the time and it's, and it's doing so unconsciously. So of course, the seven deadly, it's gonna get pulled into those. And it's it's just it literally is the creation of the entities. It's through the through that time spent in resentment. It's 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 creating through the imagination because you don't have conscious control over the imagination. But what Glorian just reminds you to do is just stop and take conscious control of the imagination so i think that's the only rule is taking conscious will to the imagination so instead of receiving you create the open vessel you create the open buddha you create the open flying luke you create whatever and and then hold it long enough to where it starts coming back and you start receiving
1: yeah, that's that's a good point. So I think the point I'm trying to make is the seven deadly is usually tied to memories. And you have yep. photographic memories. So the mind's eye, it's almost like seems easier. Would you agree? Yeah. Like using it, the imagination in that way is i guess the definition of being awake or not awake but even even when you're awake sometimes i sit down to meditate and you know my imagination is is nil for the conscious level i mean it's peaceful but i'm i'm definitely not creating any images in my mind's eye that are sticking for long longer than a second or two as opposed to photographic memories which are like oh i see you
0: i can watch yeah. you
1: for 5 minutes and not even blink right because that's the pool
0: yeah and I, it, those memories i think I, yeah most of the time if i catch myself in imagination it's some memory where i'm replaying it and you know getting the advantage getting the superiority somehow um that's that's my playground that i end up catching myself in i can catch it pretty quick nowadays um but you can see what it's doing it's the energy is just being pulled in and then the imagination is like the it's the point where Consciousness, like the divine consciousness, is like it's like the creation point. So the energy is getting pulled in. Like you don't have really good awareness. You know, you're still mad about something this morning about work, and it comes in. And if you're not on point, it sneaks through, and it can spend a little bit of time manifesting some memory that's now altered because you want to do it when with your own superiority. And whatever time and energy is put into that, that's the strength of that manifestation. So it's so easy to see on the negative, but to drive it the other way, then you consciously focus on the projection. It's, it's in some ways, it's, uh, for, for back of, lack of a, better way to say it it's more boring it's not like as captivating it doesn't yes it it doesn't pull that's, you in like that that's the
1: key word that yeah. that you just said it like there so and that's one thing that you know you always need a constant reminder of because when the, the the spiritual teachers and even when i start first started like 25 years ago like you that's the lure of the temptation is because it is the easier path and it's the the one to dive into to not feel any more pain right at this stage of my life if i do it it's kind of out of like not necessarily trial and error but I don't have pain like I used to when I first started meditating years ago. So, but if, if you just start to meditate, like when you have those memories, it's so easy to take the temptation of going into photographic memory of, you know, one of the seven deadly. And it's, um, it's an awesome defense but you're at such a good point. I think it, it really needs to be driven home that it divinity almost feels boring in the beginning. Like the first mentor, whatever you want to call it. I had, he said, one of the, I'll never forget this. He was more on the harsh side of, of how he delivered, but he said, don't be astounded. If one of the, um, first realizations that you have is that you don't love God. (laughs) And, but, but you think about that, like intellectually, like you're taught, like, what are you talking about? I was, I was taught there was like a higher being. Like I was taught you were supposed to love God. I was taught like, like it, it, it rang true back then because when you experience divinity for the first time, it's like, One, it's painful on a like metaphysical pain. So you're like, you want to go away from that. And that's one of the first discoveries because when you're coming from out of a sleep, you're coming out of the ancient God syndrome. So you're like, wait a second. I thought I always kind of looked up to a guy um, way out in the sky that I, I thought was there. And I was like, hey, I love you, guy. I think you created everything. But the whole point is, when that first discovery of oh that's it like boring could be a good adjective because it doesn't feel like you're getting anywhere when you go into resentment it feels like you're getting somewhere right that's where a lot of the trust and the faith comes in from people that are telling you things and it resonates it's like okay yes this is it and you know one of the most famous lines ever is be still and know um in one of the best books ever written the power of now so that moment is like to someone that's busy in the head it's like i don't like god what is this crazy this is like boring so a lot in in the second piece of advice i got was a lot of don't get hung up on expectations when you do commit to divinity. And you do have that realization because most of your realizations happen outside of meditation. So there's a tendency to sit down and be like, Hey, I want fireworks to go off. And then, you know, the temptation of going this way, fireworks do kind of go off. Like you're like, Oh, this feels good. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm making ground. The ego starts playing games, but in meditation, you be still and know for 20 minutes. It's not necessarily like fireworks. But then in your life, all of a sudden, these things start to happen, like synchronicities. They're like, oh, I see how God works. He's a, He's everywhere. What the hell's going on? <laughs> <laughs> oh.